And, um, you know, there's, there's always going to... I'm still seeking the Lord on some, some things. Some things I think I understand, some things I don't, but that's life, right? But uh, I remember when we were pregnant with Emma and we were having Good Tree Church and we were at Life Park Church then. We were, we were working in that area. And uh, Nathan, I don't know, I think he's only, he only ever called us once, maybe twice that whole time we were there. Because, and the one time he called us up was after we were pregnant with Emma and he gave us a word and said, um, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't remember it. But you know when you've had two miscarriages and you've got a third baby. And and the word that night was, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because it's going to look like it's going to happen again. Something like that. And, um, but the Lord is, the Lord is with you in this one, you know. And it was very specific. It was very specific about the pregnancy. And so that night, I'm so thankful for the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. You let that take anchor in your soul and you let that be. I'm not letting go of that. Right? I'm not letting go of that. And it was so specific to to our pregnancy. And that very night, Natalie started spotting with Emma. You know. And, uh, man... Uh, I remember us the the victory we had when we went in and got to see see the baby. You know, the Lord had always put it in our heart we were going to have two boys and two girls in that order, and that's exactly. I mean, I remember when we before we even had Josh, I was like, we're going to have two boys, two girls that order. That's what was in our heart, and uh, and um, and now we're done. Unless <laughs> uh, <laughs> I miss something, but. Um, the Word of God is supposed to be our anchor. And um, we keep our eyes fixed on Him, our perspective. That was the, the message I kept kind of meditating on this morning was perspective. Everybody say perspective. Perspective is a powerful thing. You know, God is God. Grass is green. The sky is blue. But your perspective makes a big difference. Right? Our perspective is supposed to be rooted and grounded in the truth. What we believe about ourselves is supposed to be rooted and grounded in the truth. Why we have such crazy perspectives and beliefs about life roaming through this country is they're not grounded in truth anymore. It's not acknowledging, hey, there's laws at work, (laughs) you know. We can, we're all familiar with gravity. Everybody thankful for gravity? It's a law. It's going to work. It's there. You don't get to deny it. Even if you want to, you don't get to deny it. It's there. And God built these things. And God is the ultimate foundation of all these things. He is. That's how he defines himself. I am that I am. <laughs> I am the only thing self-sustaining. Everything else must be sustained by me. So he is the bedrock of reality. He is. I mean, this universe, I still geek out about this. As a kid, when I was Josh's age, I remember, I remember driving 
um, and looking outside and looking up at the stars and, and thinking to myself, how does this all work? Anybody remember those times? I'm, I'm not the only one, right? Like as an adult, sometimes you forget, but I remember as a kid and I remember, and it's the hand of God and it's, it is a witness to every individual. Everybody say every individual. There is not a single individual on the planet that does not know about God. Don't you hear me? There's not a single individual on this planet that does not know. It's self-evident. It's self-evident. Now, they may not know the name of Jesus. And they may not understand truth. And they may not understand morality. But they know. They search. They look. They hope. That's where your message comes in. That's where your life comes in. But no one leaves this planet without a testimony of a God. No one. Everybody telling me that right now bears witness to the fact that they've looked up and said, what is this we're a part of? What is this we're a part of? It's ordered. It's created. And you can look out. I mean, look, take your telescope and look as far as you want and you can see. The ones you can see that God has been here. (laughs) This one. It's got a lot going for it. This one is support. We take for granted. Everybody say for granted. You take for granted the fact that you just every time you breathe, it's a miracle that you're here. (laughs) What did you do to create that oxygen? You did nothing. What did you do to be here? You did nothing. (laughs) God did something. And your parents did something. (laughs) Amen. That's why you may may never be fully at, at peace with your parents. Maybe they weren't good people, but you respect. You respect their authority. You respect their their power that they had in your life. They're the reason you're here. When you live life with a certain perspective of who God is and who he is in your life, it changes how you walk. And we are called to be salt and light. Everybody say salt and light. We are called to remind people, even though they don't want to be reminded, that there is truth and there is a lie. There is good and there is evil. And there is going to be consequences for how you live. There is an ultimate judge and it's not me. And it's not even the judge you may face when you go to court, when you go to jail. The ultimate judge is one that sees through everything. That knows every thought. And so in the gospel, it says we we persuade men knowing the fear of God. Knowing that everything is exposed and open to him. And you can live your life afraid, cowering, ashamed. Well, you can live your life bold. And you can live your life free. Nothing hidden. Everything exposed. Everything open. Because whether you hide it today or not, it's going to be exposed one day. 
So you may as well just live free and clear now. <laughs> Amen. Let's live free and clear now. Let's let's live. Let's all live in the right reality together that there is one God. His son is Jesus Christ and he came to save us and he rose from the third on the third day he rose from the grave. And that life that he offered up that no one else could offer up it resides in you. And you have been reborn with a life that is in the image of God. Therefore, let us set our mind on heavenly things. Let us keep a right perspective. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen. You can be opening up your Bibles. Be turning to um, be turning to Ephesians chapter five. It used to be pages I'd hear. Let's start in um, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Everybody say imitators. <laughs> I love this time of life where Emma, you know, like Emma's age, they're imitators. They go around doing everything you do and saying everything you say. So you be careful what you say, right? <laughs> be careful what you do. I'll hear her tone in my, or I'll, I'll hear my voice and her tone, how she'll express herself, you know. Sometimes I'll walk around the house like this, you know. That's how Emma will walk around the house. She'll put her hands behind her back. She'll <laughs> and she'll tell her brothers and she'll tell uh, Caitlin, she'll say, no, no. Now, ah, don't do that because that's what I tell her. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> the funniest thing is when she, because she hears, says she'll hear me say, "No, no, Emma," and so she thinks that's what she say. She says to other people, she says, "No, no, Emma." <laughs> She's imitating more than what we profess, more than what we say. It's what we do, right? Jesus put a higher value on what you do than what you say. He says that the son, the son that says he's going to go obey and then doesn't go obey is less than the son that went and obeyed and said he wouldn't. So what you do, everybody say what you do, what you do is more important. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity, covetousness, must not be named among you, as is proper among saints. Uh, not be named. <laughs> In other words, not one, please. As is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. thanksgiving. You can't live in awe of what God has done and, and not be thankful. 
I mean, we, I didn't even share why we're here. <laughs> we had power outage, you know, in Tulsa. And uh, they, they were without power. It could have been for a week. All of our food went bad. We, it was 90 degrees all week. It was hot and baking in our house as an oven. And I'm like, I'm not staying here. <laughs> I don't know when the power's coming back. I'm like, oh, it could come back right after we leave, but we're leaving. So we came up here early. Uh, and they did get power back on, so. Um, but but that's why we're here. But since we've been here, I've I've had a great time. I've gone fishing. Uh, me and Zach got his little boat out, and got, I caught a two and two point eight pound bass. I think it was. Um, and and I got to, I got to go visit my favorite running spot last night over there at Hickory Grove or Hickory Park. Sorry, Hickory. No, it's not either of those. Doggone it! Forgive me. I didn't have enough sleep. Grimes, right? Grimes. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Not enough sleep last night, sorry. But, like, I'm running through, and it's just the greenest green. I mean, it's gorgeous. You take stuff for granted, and it's like God is, God was so blessing me this week with appreciation. Appreciation. We live in such an immediate gratification culture. Always entertain me culture. We, we get on our phones and, and it's always entertaining. Flip, what's the next funny thing? What's the next funny thing? What's the next funny thing? And you get off of it and you're addicted because you're depressed because life's boring. Look, you have too much. You have too much entertainment at your fingertips. And it wouldn't kill you to turn off the internet for a month. Hallelujah. It wouldn't kill you to go walk around and appreciate things. It wouldn't kill you to have face-to-face conversations. It wouldn't kill you. I'm saying that facetiously. It would be very good. It would be very good to appreciate the long-term things, not the short-term. Not the short-term. I've had a I've had a good little reset week of being thankful. Everybody say thankful. Thankfulness is a perspective. It affects how you believe about yourself and how you see God and the things that are happening to you. When you practice thankfulness, even for the small things, contentedness is possible. Paul said, we can't take anything with us. If you've got food and you've got clothing in those things, be content. Didn't he say that? So when we're not content, it doesn't mean you're not, you can't be entrusted with more or you shouldn't want to be entrusted with more, but that you're not content with just those things. And we live in a society that's constantly driving you not to be content with all you need. That wants you to have more and more. And you know what? That process will never end. You will never get there. You will never be happy because you're not content no matter what you have. It is an empty pit contentedness is something you have to find in Christ. Everybody say contentedness. This world doesn't offer that, but he does. Amen. Thanksgiving. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, hath no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. And God, let no one deceive you with empty words. 
For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is where, you know, compasses work because they're pointed north. This is where your heart is supposed to be turned. It is supposed to be always seeking what pleases the Lord. You may make mistakes along the way. A compass isn't precise, but it's always wanting to go the right direction. I have wanted to follow God and make mistakes, but he knows that I've wanted to follow God. He's able to work with that. But you can't deceive yourself and think, well, I'm going to keep heading east in spite of what God says, and I'm going to end up west. That doesn't work. It won't work. I'm going to live in sin and love God. I'm going to live in sin and love God. You're living in a fairy tale. It doesn't work. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Boy, we don't like that word in this culture. This culture loves to tell you what's wrong. Don't do this and don't do that. This culture, American culture, loves to tell you what's wrong. But they won't touch true with a 10-foot pole. You hear me? You can't have right apart from wrong. You can't say that's evil and not have good. You can't tell somebody that's a lie and not imply, well, what's the truth? Where do you get your truth from? Well, it's mine. Well, then it's not truth. Well, it's my party's. Well, then it's not truth. We'll vote you out. (laughs) Where does it come from? The same place gravity comes from. The same place creation comes from. The same place your breath comes from comes from him amen we 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 in vain and desire some kind of ideal this this generation looks for an ideal to aspire to like we want what's right for everyone but they don't want to know who is right and that's him they don't want the foundation of righteousness They want the appearance of righteousness. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Hallelujah. Everybody say expose them. Judge yourselves. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Hmm. Therefore, it says, awake. Everybody say awake. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Perspective implies what we see. Those that don't believe the gospel... Paul says the enemy has blinded their eyes, right? And then we've got Christians 
who are fooled by vain and empty words. And we say well, they're asleep. They've got their eyes closed. See, we need to be awake and we need to be alive. <laughs> we need to resonate with who Christ has made us and be awake to the truth of who he's told us to be. Okay. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will give you light. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Okay, I'm going to springboard off of this for a second. What happens when you get drunk with wine? When you get drunk, your senses, everybody know their five senses? Their eyes, their ears, their smell. Okay, I have, I've never been drunk. I don't know what that's like. But I've seen enough movies. <laughs> I've seen enough bar scenes. I've seen enough westerns. To know that somebody who's drunk doesn't know what their senses are telling them anymore. They go pick the fight with the biggest guy in the room and think they can take them. <laughs> right? Their senses are intoxicated. <laughs> That's a good save, Norma. <laughs> um, their senses are intoxicated with that substance. So we don't do that. But look what he does with that. He, he, he basically is using drunkenness as a parable. Okay. He says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled. Everybody say filled. Yeah. In, in other words, be drunk in this way. Be drunk in this way. Be filled with the spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks. Everybody say thanks. Amen. Always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in the same way that a drunken man does not interpret his senses correctly. Somebody that's filled with the spirit is going to have his senses under subjection to the influence of the spirit of God in him. Amen. You hear me? Yeah. <clears throat> when you look back, <laughs> how many men of faith did this apply to? They had a completely different perspective. They were looking at something else for the foundation of their reality. It wasn't what they could see with these eyes. These eyes were submitted and bowed the knee to the one reality of God in their heart and their mind. And they were filled with the spirit. Every single one of those that you read about, we, we talk about them in, in kids church, whether it was Daniel, whether it was Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, whether it was David, all of them said, I don't care what I see. I'm walking by faith. Because faith is a level higher. It's a level higher than what we sense. <laughs> on, 
All of Israel, all of Israel, when they saw Goliath, they quaked the same way. They were afraid the same way. They read the situation the same way. That guy's way bigger than me. He's way stronger than me. And no one in this in this country can defeat him. Everybody read the room the same way, except the kid that was always worshiping out in the field. Because he was chosen? No, because he had a heart after God. Because he had a perspective about the situation that didn't come from natural resources, didn't come from natural reasoning, didn't have a sense-based conclusion. It had a God-based conclusion. And when he saw, when he saw that Philistine come and blaspheme the name of God, he says, who is this? Don't any of you have a relationship with God? And Jesus asked the same question when he told, he told that parable about um, uh, the unjust judge. He says, I hope when I come back, I still find faith on the earth. You remember he said that? He says, I'm paraphrasing. When the son of man comes back, will he still find faith on the earth? I want him to find faith in me while I'm alive. I don't want it to be said on judgment day that we, we dropped the baton and I didn't pass it forward. I didn't live as a witness. I didn't provide evidence to my generation. That generation went unwitnessed to. I don't want that testimony because the ultimate end, what God is wanting to do is he wants every single people group, every single continent, every single person to be touched with the knowledge of God in their present reality, thinking all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. That is when the end comes because the witness is universal. Everybody knows. It's it's in everybody's consciousness right now. If World War Three broke out tomorrow, it'd be in everybody's consciousness right now. And God is going to be in everybody's consciousness in their waking eyes, in their waking consciousness. He's going to be knocking through his witnesses, through his church, through his people, through his works, through his spoken words that come through his people. I'm here. Anybody want to live the right way? Anyone want to acknowledge truth? If you do, you're coming with me. (laughs) We're getting out of here. (laughs) Until I remake it. Okay. Don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. But what about Paul and Silas when they had that They were chained in there and they were praising and worshiping God. Different perspective. (laughs) You get stoned and left for dead and you go back into the city. Different perspective. Everyone's bowing the knee to the golden image except those three guys. Different perspective. I'm not going to bow the knee to this image that we're creating in our culture. They don't get to tell me what to say. They don't get to tell me what truth is. Only one person is truth, and that's Jesus Christ. Only one person reveals to me how to walk. 
And I know where the source of my truth comes from. And it's not up for debate. I'll debate with you. But who are you going to put in place? Who are you elevating in your heart and your mind as the source of truth? Get off the fence. <laughs> you know? Don't halt between two opinions. And we live our lives sometimes halted between two opinions, wanting to live this present life and wanting to live for Christ. We've got to choose. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be turned to Romans 4, and then I think we'll be closing here soon. Romans 4. A different perspective. We'll start in uh, verse 16, Romans four sixteen. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope. In hope, he believed against hope. One hope supplanted the other hope. What was the hope that had to be removed? It wasn't a positive hope. It was, it was against, against all hope that he believed the word of God. A hundred-year-old guy had a promise that he was going to be a father. He tried another route. He tried to fulfill this, right, in his own strength. And God says, no, not that way. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. Everybody say fully persuaded. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our sight fixed on the one thing that's going to carry us through everything. I feel like I've been expounding on the same point, really, in different ways, coming at it from different angles. But we live in a generation where there are many idols and there's many things that want to draw away your affection and your time and distract you from Christ, which is the one thing we're supposed to be living for. But you were espoused to one husband. 
And we're called to be faithful to that one husband, right? And I feel like in my early years when I was younger in the faith, it was almost as if God treated me as a child. And I had good teachers that would come and kind of browbeat me. Pray. <laughs> fast. Oh, yes, okay. I got to pray. I got to fast. You know, I respect you, so I pray. The time of those messages is coming to an end. What good is it to browbeat people into prayer if they don't want to pray? Just forget it. God isn't looking for children being browbeaten into relationship with him. He wants people that love him to spend time with him. I'm not going to... The uh, the tone of my messages, I, I feel like it's shifting. I'm not browbeating anybody into prayer anymore. But I am asking you to figure out whether you love God or not. And to what degree. Because somebody that loves him, it's no burden to pray. Amen. I'm figuring this out for myself too. Because God brought me out of a place of, of childhood and into a place of maturity. And there's no such thing as maturity without freedom. Everybody say freedom. He made me free. And that means free. I felt the freedom in my heart and my mind. He wasn't going to reprimand me for not spending time with him. He wasn't going to come and send another teacher and say, are you praying? He's asking us. He asked me. You've learned what you needed to learn. Will you take that freedom and do you still love me? Will you serve me with the freedom? Everybody wants their kids to be a part of their lives when they grow up, right? But you can't force a kid once they're grown up to be a part of your life. They got to want it. And one thing I want as a testimony in my kids' life when they leave my house is they know that they know. I love them. I love them. And those seeds, I want them to grow and say, I love you too. I love you too. And God is looking for a people that loves him, that is continuing to fall in love with him. I don't care what your emotions feel like. If in your heart, what I'm saying to you is true right now, you fight for it. You fight for it. Marriage isn't just about feelings and honeymoon. Marriage is about decisions. You understand? It's about making choices. It's about cutting things out of your life. It's about making sacrifices. And if I love God, there's going to be other things that I'm just not going to do with my life. Because <laughs> I love him. But I don't count it as a cost. I don't, count, I don't resent God. I love him. I don't resent Natalie for the... Hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars that I spent on our relationship. Because I got a wife out of it. And I love her. And it's no cost to spend time with God. We think of questions like, well, why did Jesus have to pray so much? I think it's because he loved his father. How come he was always stealing away? How come he would be gone all night? I think he loved his dad. And what we need to settle in our hearts and our minds is where is our affections flowing? Affections flow. They serve something. 
Okay? You keep your eyes fixed on Him. And those wind and waves, they're not going to take you. They might take you for a second. I'll give the devil the first one. He's not getting me the next time. (laughs) Well, I'm depressed. Well, just don't stay there. Fight it. Hear me? I'm downcast. I'm disheartened, disheartened. I'm disenchanted. This didn't turn out like I wanted. Okay, take a moment, regroup, and don't stay there. I've got a huge burden. I've got a huge problem. I've got a huge debt. My family's a mess. Okay, don't stay there. Let's stop praying problems. Let me say it a different way. Let's stop praying to our problems. Let's stop talking how big things are. Let's stop wearing our insecurities as a badge of pride of why I'm the way I am. And let's start taking up this as an image and say, I'm going to war with the things that don't line up with who I am. There's lots of things I could justify because of how I feel. My feelings aren't the source of truth, unfortunately. Not unfortunately, thank goodness. I'm not stuck there. Hallelujah. You keep your eyes fixed. Everybody say fixed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And he is going to make you into that same image. It's not about the storm. It's about walking with him. It's not about what's happening. It's about walking with him. It's not about the outcome. It's about walking with him. It's not about your job. It's about walking with him. It's not about who hates you. People are going to hate you. Get over it. (laughs) Walk with him. I hope I'm saying it enough ways. We let so many things become God in our life that aren't God. I've seen good people who love Jesus, love their offense more. I've seen good people who love Jesus, love their freedom more. I've seen good people who love Jesus, love this present life more. I've seen good people who love Jesus, follow after an insecurity and a covetousness that enough is never going to be enough. And they could have all the money in the world and they're still not going to be happy. Because they're not fulfilled and they don't realize what's driving them. They can end up with billions. They're not happy. If I get billions, I'm going to be happy. (laughs) Not because I had the billions, but because I was already happy. Hallelujah. Hmm. Prosper as your soul prospers. Don't be driven by insecurity and attention. Don't be, don't be driven by a spiritual badge of I went through this. This is who I am. If it doesn't line up with the word, it doesn't matter. I've had seasons where my emotions swallowed me up. I felt depressed. I felt disenchanted, disheartened. Don't stay there. Everybody stay with me. Don't stay there. there. There's no victory there. Let's say that too. There's no victory. victory. Living in that place. place. A perspective perspective. that is constantly constantly depressed. depressed. 
and focused on depression will never produce life. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. We keep... Am I saying it enough ways? Stop talking about our problems. Stop lifting up our problems. Stop praying about our problems. Let's pray about God. Let's talk about God. When I got something going on in my life, I said, thank you, Father. I don't really understand how this is working out, but I know it's going to work out. I, you don't know where you're going or what you're doing, what God's will is for your life, and you're stuck in a town you don't want to be in. I thank you, Father, that you've got me here for a reason. <laughs> I thank you, Father, that you've got me here for a purpose, that I'm not going to look at what is seen, but I'm going to look to you who is the author and finisher of my faith. I don't know why this turned out this way, but I thank you, Father, that I'm not going to stay in disillusionment and disenchantment. Hallelujah. I'm holding on to you. Let go of those things. And when you're close to Christ, when you're close to him, when you're fixed on him, those things find their place. Last thing, promise. <laughs> I was uh, I was listening to an interview. There's, I think there were seventeen men in total that had been to the moon, and um, this all of them attest to when you step on there and you look at the planet and you see it, you see all of it. They all say, I wish I could drag every politician. I wish I could drag every leader, every statesman up there and just let them look at that. Because if they could see that perspective of our problems and our, the, the petty things we fight about, if they could see that for a moment, the world would be a much better place because they could have a perspective I'm telling you what God wants to do with each and every one of you. Your problems don't have to be the lens you view your life through. You look at your life through the lens of Christ. Make sure that eye is clear that's viewing everything. Make sure that eye is working. Because if that eye is darkness, great is the darkness in here. Your perspective is has to be clear. It's got to be fixed on him so that you can see things rightly. Two people will see the same problem. One person will see a failure. The other will see an opportunity. Two people will see the same problem. One of them will fall in despair and another will. I got that. It's perspective. Amen. Let him... Write your perspective. Okay. Let's pray.